Hi everybody, my name is Pat Hogarty and welcome back to California Real Estate Practice, Real Estate 310. This happens to be show number 31. Uh, that's show 31 out of a total of 32 shows. Uh, what we're going to be doing for this show and the next show is talking about uh, the last little part that uh, is in the course which deals with something called licensing, ethics, and associations. And we're basically going to be breaking it down to where I'm going to be covering quite a bit of the uh, just talking in general about what the requirements are, who has to have a real estate license, uh, when, you know, how far you can go when you're doing something before all of a sudden you've more or less crossed this magic line and are now doing some kinds of activities that you are required to have a license. In fact, that happens to be one of the biggest areas that the uh, Department of Real Estate finds that, uh, that they get complaints about is where people actually are starting to do things or have done things and represented people and wanted to get paid a commission or some, for, some of a fee for doing some, you know, some kind of real estate activity. And then they get themselves in trouble. So we'll be talking about that. We'll talk about the difference between what the requirements are for a salesperson's license and then a real estate broker's license. We'll also be distinguishing between the types of training that you need. In other words, what kinds of training or educational courses do you need to have in order to get a sales or a broker's license versus what types of courses you need if you're going to do something called continuing education or, I'm sorry, those additional training requirements you would have to renew your license every four years, which we call continuing education. We'll talk a little bit about ethics and how important that happens to be. And then the last part will be about associations. And then I'm probably going to be taking you, if not this time, the next time out to the Department of Real Estate website, pointing out some of the things that we'll be talking about today and why it's very important that you learn and work with uh, the Department of Real Estate website because they have a lot of information there that can help you, such as just uh, establishing an account so you can log on and find out when exams take place, find out if you passed an exam be able to do things like change your, uh, your uh, mailing address. And also there are things on there called real estate bulletins that will enable you to keep up to speed at, um, with what kinds of things are changing within the, uh, within the industry. And then finally, uh, probably we'll also be talking about associations. Uh, these are professional associations that I'm sure you've all heard about a lot. Uh, locally, we have something in Sacramento called the California Association of Realtors, which are, is currently located over on 2003 Howe Avenue. We also have the California Association of Realtors, which has offices both in Sacramento and down in the Los Angeles area. And then we'll be talking about the National Association of Realtors. And also, there are a number of other real estate groups that are listed in, uh, in the literature in the book that you may find that are going to be interesting and helpful to you uh, if, depending upon your area discipline within the real estate field or the real estate community. Now, first of all, I'm just going to move over here kind of slowly over to my old friendly document camera. And I just wanted to point something out that they talk about in the book here that we need to be aware of. And that is, is that uh, just talk a little bit about why we have uh, something called the California Department of Real Estate. Uh, as it says here, every state, and I mean every state, every state, uh, government regulates uh, its own real estate brokerage activity by staff members who are collectively referred to as regulators. In California, it's called the California Department of Real Estate. In other types of states, you're going to find out that they're going to have their own, in some cases, they may call it a Department of Real Estate. They may have a different type of a name for it. Uh, 
the main purpose of the California Department of Real Estate is to protect the public by an enactment uh, enforcement of laws relating to real estate and by establishing requirements for real estate brokers and salespeople. Um, one thing that I want to mention to you is, is that you may very well find, um, you know, if you're in the real estate business, just so that you're aware of this, especially if you're near any of the uh, states that we border on, you may find out that you may, in order for you to be, not, let's say successful, but in order for you to operate in those communities, you may find out that you may have to have more than one license for one state. For example, if you are living in Lake Tahoe, and you decide that you want to sell real estate up there, it's not very hard for you to all of a sudden have clients that will walk into your office, which is located on the California side of the border, and find out that you, they're, you're driving around. The next thing you know, you're in Nevada showing them property. So the concept is you may find out that you need to have a license for both the state of California and the state of Nevada. And the same thing would be uh, in the same case with Oregon. Uh, or Arizona. So any, any of the states that collectively could be close to us or border us in one form or another, we may find out that it, we may need to have a license to operate in that state because we're very, very close. And again, those each one of those states, if you probably go into something like Google, and as we say now, uh, Google uh, the topic, you'll probably find out that their board of uh, they're a state organization that controls real estate and what their exam requirements are and what courses you're required to take in order to have a license in that area. And also remember, too, is that if you're going to be practicing in both sides, you're probably going to have to have a broker that's licensed in both states. So you kind of keep that in mind. You really want to be aware of so that you're not kind of breaking the law. You really don't want to kind of run into that kind of a problem. Uh, what we're going to be doing now is... Uh, I just wanted to give you a quick little picture here of, and this of course is in your book, but it's also, uh, we'll be talking about it as time goes by, the California Department of Real Estate website. Uh, I think I've mentioned this is in a number of classes. Uh, the state of California has been working very, very hard um, over the last number of years to sort of standardize their websites to make them all more or less look the same. As to the best of my knowledge, if you're going to the Department of Real Estate website or you go to the uh, Department of Alcohol, Alcohol Beverage Control or the, Depart or the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, I could just go down the list of all these different departments that the state has just said, you know what, we are not going to create different ways to navigate the systems. We're not going to create different methods. We're going to make them all look the same. And the reason why they're doing that is because they want people to be able to utilize these websites because it cuts down on their costs. And uh, it's sort of, I guess you could say, for the state of California, it's, it's both the good part and the bad part. The good part is, well, I think it's all good, but basically what they're doing is they're saying, you know, we can cut down on the costs of operating our different government organizations if we can get people to use the web. As an example, if I fill out a piece of paper and mail it to the Department of Real Estate or the Department of Motor Vehicles, then they, the department, has to hire somebody to open the envelope up, take a file folder, create it, put it in there, start writing correspondence against it. On the other hand, if they're able to do everything electronically, then they don't have to hire those people. It's easy to maintain, and they can spend more of their time trying to help us as consumers rather than just doing uh, you know, highly repetitive administrative work. So. Again, when I go over this in detail, everything that's at this website, I think you're going to find it's probably very helpful that you know how this works. 
Um, probably the next thing that we want to make sure everybody aware of is, is that who has to have a license? You know, who has to have a real estate license? And so we want to be able to differentiate that so that we know, you know, are we okay with what we're doing or, you know, buying and selling our own property? Do we have to have a license to do that, you know, or not? You know, we, we have those questions. So we need to have some real clear guidance on that. So on the next page, they, they give you some examples of when um, you have to have a license. And keep in mind that it may not necessarily be you. It could be, uh, last time we talked about something called real estate assistance. It could be where you have somebody in your family that's helping you do some part of your business, maybe helping you hold open houses or putting together flyers. I mean, it's not uncommon to have, you know, for example, a husband and wife that helps each other out. The wife is in real estate. The husband helps her on the weekends. Uh, a lot of times kids, the people will have their children. They'll say, you know what, if you're going to go to college, that's fine. But I need, since I'm paying all the tuition, I'd like to have you help me a little bit on the weekend doing some of the administrative tasks that I have. So the question is, is you want to be really careful as a, per, a real estate professional on what these people can do and what you can do with or without a license. And if you're ever in doubt, by the way, if you're doing something, you can always call the Department of Real Estate and ask them for any kind of guidance to make sure that you're not doing something that will get yourself in trouble. Or if you really do think that you're doing something that possibly could get really close, you may end up saying to your children or to your husband or your wife and just say, listen, why don't, we, why don't you just get a real estate license and we don't have to worry about it anymore. It might be a lot simpler. But I'm going to throw up some examples and then explain what they are. Uh, you need to have a real estate license if you sell or offer to sell buyers or offer to buyers to solicit buyers or sellers. So in other words, if you are doing anything in the, in the area of looking to find people to sell their homes for a commission or helping people buy with the idea in mind that you're going to be compensated, then you have to have a license. If you do things like solicit or obtain listings, so in other words, if you're hired by somebody or you ask your children to call up the neighbors in the neighborhood to find out if they want to sell their house, that requires a license to do that. The other area you need to be careful too is if you start doing things like passing flyers out and stuff like that. You know, at what point do you start talking to people and start providing advice? If you negotiate the sale, uh, purchase a sale, or exchange of real estate or business opportunities, you have to have a license. If you're dealing with collecting rents or negotiating leases, you have to have a license. If you assist in the purchase of leases, land, you have to have a license. If you negotiate loans, collect rents, perform services for borrowers, you need to have a license. Then down below it gives you an example of when licenses are not required. Now, again, some of these, you know, you have to be very careful that you're not crossing whatever that magic line is. So if you're in doubt, you need to be talking to whoever the, your employer is or whoever you're dealing with and finding out whether or not it is something that you're crossing that line. But as an example, and I'll give you an ana some analogies to go along with this. First of all, it says employees of lending institutions. Lending institutions means to me that you're working for a company and then maybe you are the one that's answering the phone, you're the receptionist. You're not soliciting business, you're doing administrative tasks. You're working for a bank. You don't have to have a real estate license. Uh, lenders making federally insured or guaranteed loans, no license. Certain agricultural associations, uh, uh, that's kind of murky a little bit. I think it's where you're maybe working with people and helping them. Uh, agricultural associations would be maybe something like a farm bureau or something like that. Purple, personal property brokers. 
That could be somebody, for example, like a pawnbroker. It could be somebody that would be in the antique business. If you're selling any kind of property that would be personal, like it could be refrigerators, freezers, typewriters, cars, whatever. You don't have to have a real estate license. Cemetery authorities, I'm not exactly too clear on that, but what we're talking about is the people that are in the front desk and they're running the cemeteries. It's real estate, but you're not required to have a license. Collectors of loans made on real property. So if you're hired for a company that you're going to call Pat Hogarty up and find out why he hasn't been making his payments, that would not require a license. And then certain clerical help. And I think that that is, when we talk about clerical help, we're talking about those people that are doing clerical tasks. You know, in other words, if you're hiring an assistant and their whole job is that they are working under your direction to specifically put file folders together, enter stuff into the multiple listing system, they are not dealing directly with the clients in the sense of providing any kind of professional advice or anything like that. That's where you're talking about not having to have uh, a license. The area that I think can be sometimes difficult is where maybe you've had an assistant or you have had uh, a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife that has been helping you. And the sort of the scenario I would kind of like to give you is maybe one of the things they're doing is they're helping you put... Uh, Hold open houses. If you do a good job holding open houses, in fact, one of the top agents in this town, uh, Joanne Pino, who works for uh, Lion and Associates, has open houses every weekend, and she develops a t all. I believe almost all of our business, except for referrals, which she does gets all the time from those open houses. Well. In order to do those open houses, just a lot of physical tasks. There's making up flyers, there's going to the printer, there's putting out signs, there's doing a lot of that stuff that's just purely administrative. And you may find out that your husband or wife or son or daughter are helping you do that. But let's say that they are, and all of a sudden you go to hold an open house, and, uh, and your car breaks down, and they're there, and you tell them, okay, go ahead and open up the door. And you put the sign out. While they're sitting there at that table, they cannot be providing any advice. They have to be saying, well, when my agent gets here or my broker or whoever, however you address yourself, they'll be able to assist you. You don't want them doing anything that requires a license. Very, very important. Now, there's some other areas where you have to be cognizant of things that don't require to have a license. Number one is it says an individual who is not a real estate salesperson or broker may solicit for the sale of real property as long as he or she follows into one of these categories. Number one, if you're the owner of the property, you can decide to sell that property on your own. You can go ahead and work with the buyer, work with all the paperwork, open up the escrow, do all the work, and never, ever, ever have a real estate license. You can put signs out front. You can do all of that. But again, you're working directly for yourself. If you're holding power of attorney for an owner, power of attorney would be, uh, could be as simple as, uh, I think I've mentioned this in previous classes, where maybe it could be as simple as, uh, I'll give you an example, uh, when my uh, wife and I were getting ready to sell our home, she was going to go on a vacation with her sister to Europe, and it was becoming obvious that there might happen, we might, during the time that she was gone, she may very well have gotten, uh, or we may have gotten an offer. And so the question is, how do we handle that? Remember, if we have to have everybody that owns the property sign everything. So that means offers, counteroffers, uh, listing agreements, escrow instructions, they have to sign. So what do you do if the person isn't there? Well, the simple thing is, and this happens in a, on a regular basis, you go to the escrow officer, say somebody like that financial title and you, who you have your escrow open with, 
and you say to them, could you help me out? Uh, I need to have you draw something called the power of attorney. And that power of attorney that you have drawn up is going to allow you, with their permission, because they've signed off on it, act in representing them. In other words, signing all the necessary paperwork, whether it be listing, purchase offers, counter offers, whatever, while they're gone. Also, you could find that you may be appointed something called, have a power of attorney for somebody like your mother, your father. Uh, uh, when my mother, near the end of her life, while she was uh, sick, we ended up having, my sister ended up having power of attorney to take care of her affairs. So again, you could do that for, with parents or somebody that's maybe not, that's ill, sick for a period of time, and they need your help. So in that case, you don't need a real estate license to do that. That's what we're talking about, okay? The next thing is, is that um, if you're an, uh, an attorney at law acting on behalf of the owner, okay, same thing, you're not required to have a real estate license, uh, meaning that you're representing something to deal with it. You know, they're dealing with maybe some disagreement on the purchase offer or a listing agreement or something, okay? When, in other words, they're not, they're not purposely listing, your, the attorney's not listing your house for the purpose of selling it. There are a lot of attorneys that are in this town that are attorneys by education, but they actually are become real estate brokers. Uh, the past president that we had uh, last year, Dave Tanner, uh, uh, who, is, who works for Remax, is also an attorney. And he was the president of the, Cal of the Sacramento Association of Realtors, and he's on the California Association of Realtors. He's an attorney by training, but he's a real estate broker. We have, a, an age, we have an attorney that works for us, teaches classes, uh, Bill McGrath. He's also a real estate broker, okay? So you can be both, okay? Uh, anybody that deals with a receiver in a court or a court appointee, or that somebody's been appointed by a court to take care of things, or a trustee selling under a deed of trust, what that essentially means is that, remember, with a trustee, what happens is, is that in California, we use this thing called the trust deed, what that essentially means is the person that borrows the money is called the trustor. The person that lends the money is called the lender or the beneficiary. And then what we do is we have this third independent party called the trustee. This trustee doesn't really do anything. A lot of times they usually are people like a title insurance company or a trust company of some sort. They just kind of sit there. They hold or have the authority of holding what we call bare naked title to the property that's the, pro that's the security. Remember, when you borrow for real estate, the security for the loan is the real estate. So they hold the power that in the event that the person that borrowed the money doesn't make the payments, then the person that lent it can say sell the property. Well, then when they do that, they're actually the ones that will put all the notices out. They'll post the property. They'll stand down there at the courthouse and say, I have a house for sale, you know, and they'll say I have a bid. So they're going to be in the process of actually auctioning the house off that case, they don't have, they're not required to have a real estate license to perform that particular function. In fact, in many cases, it might be just somebody that's appointed by the title company. If it's a title company doing it, that's going to go down to a predetermined location, either in front of the house or at the courthouse steps or at the company or somewhere where this public auction is going to take place. I've done that, so it's, it's pretty straightforward. Okay. Obtaining a salesperson's license. Now, they have a couple things that you need to be... Uh, you need to be aware of when you do this. Number one, you need to be at least 18 years of age in order to apply for the license. Remember, currently the way it works in the state of California, you can apply for the license. Now, what we need to really be clear about this is, remember, there's two parts to this. The first part is you have to pass an exam. 
once you pass the exam, then you can apply for the license, okay? So anyway, to apply, the age to apply for the license, you have to be 18 or older. You have to be able to provide proof of legal presence in the United States, and if not a California residence or an out-of-state applicant, you have, uh, you have to go and get the forms and follow the procedures at the Department of Real Estate website. Number three, this is the big one. This is the big one, honest and truthful. Let me tell you about this. This is the, this is the absolute truth. Every year we have uh, the uh, David Seals, who works for the California Department of Real Estate, who happens to be an attorney by training. He comes in and he speaks to our real, real estate internship class that meets on, uh, uh, you know, that we have. We have one in the fall, one in the spring. That's where a wonderful program where we actually put people together with um, real estate companies that are willing to act as sponsors so that a, you know, students can get experience what it's like to be a real estate agent. Anyway, David happens to be somebody that comes in and talks to our class. And usually when he comes in, after he gets finished saying hello in the first couple sentences and then starts explaining what this really means, then probably about, th I can almost time it by my watch, usually about five or ten minutes into the presentation, everybody's angry with him. And the reason why they are is because he tells them the truth. And the truth is this, that the Department of Real Estate takes that term of you being honest and truthful as being the fact that you do not lie on the application, period. And what happens is, is that, and he really stresses this, is that anybody that has ever had anything happen in their background, and people will, students will go on, well, what happens if I, if I just stole a, I don't know, a, a piece of candy in a, in a grocery store when I was nine years old, that kind of a thing. But the thing is, is that if you have had something that's happened in your background, you have to disclose it. If for some reason the Department of Real Estate finds out either before you get the license issued or after you have it that you've done something, what ends up happening is you lose your license like that. Bang. End of discussion. And the reason why is because they're looking at the fact that you are representing the public. The public. And in order to represent the public, they are looking for people that are not going to lie. They're going to be truthful and honest. And if they find out you lied on that application, you are not going to get a license. It could be for the most minor offense you could possibly have. What he's always said is that if you're in doubt, disclose. And he, he and again, he'll go through all sorts of scenarios of explaining, you know, like, uh, you know, like, oh, I couldn't find the current paperwork, so I didn't put it down. You know, well, bingo, you put in your application, they do the background check, and it shows up. If they see something that you didn't disclose, you're not going to get your license. It's end of discussion. So that's where they're looking for being truthful and honest. Very, very important topic. And uh, he has thrown some statistics around when he's spoken to the class, and he, I think he said that probably about 40% of the people that apply for a real estate license put down something that discloses that they have had something in their background that they need to disclose, whatever that happens to be, a misdemeanor, a misdemeanor, a felony, or whatever. Essentially what happens is this. If you put down something on your application, what will happen is your application comes out, it's assigned to somebody, they take a look at your application, they do some further investigation, and in most cases, most cases, they usually will issue a license. It just takes longer to do while they do this other additional background check. Okay, but if you're in doubt, you can always call the Department of Real Estate. They're more than willing to help you or work with you, but the key word is disclosure. That's very important. 
Okay, a couple other things uh, that you're going to have to do in order to get a real estate license. Um, and there's two types of licenses they currently stand. You have to complete a, four, uh, complete a college level real estate principles class. Okay. Now, what this essentially means is that you could take the exam. The minute that you enroll in real estate principles, you can put in to take the exam. You could actually, in theory, actually even pass the exam. Okay. You can, uh, but for you to apply for the license, okay. So in other words, you can, in order for you to take the exam, you have to be enrolled in the course. But in order for you to, once you pass it, you get a notice. It says, thank you, congratulations, you passed the exam, all that kind of stuff. The big thing is, is that when it comes time to apply, part of that application process is you have to submit a copy of your transcript showing that you have had California real estate principles, okay, which also dictates the fact that in order to get that transcript to show that you have to have completed the course, okay? So that's important, okay? The next thing is you have to pass the required examination and you have to have a photo ID, all right? Um, now, and when you get ready to take this exam, there are a couple things that we, you need to be aware of. There's a difference in the number of questions, the types of questions that are asked for whether you're a real estate agent or a broker. It says for, for uh, the salesperson's exam takes three hours and 15 minutes, okay? So you know you have a time situation to deal with. Most of my students, I, the way I, and the way you've been taking the exam, I've been trying to kind of push you. You know, you need to always be prepped so you can walk in and so that you can spend your time getting through the questions that you know the answers to, which will leave you enough time to work on the ones that you have to, to, to take some work, okay? Uh, it's 150 questions, and it requires 70% uh, score to pass. And if you pass, they tell you you pass. And unless they change things in the future, but they don't tell you that you got 95 or 100. Now, that really drives some of my students nuts the ones that will sit there and argue with me over one point. I had one student that was in my downtown class one time that stood there and wanted to argue with me over, uh, I think, almost two hours as I was doing other things over getting one more point on an exam. He had a 99, and I kept saying to him, you know, you're not right. You know? But, I mean, if you're the kind that needs to know what you got, you're not going to get that feedback. You're only going to get that feedback on what you got if you didn't pass. Okay? Um, now, once you pass... You have, you're going to, if you, when you apply, and, and this again is, this again is how students really want to approach this. Some people will say, you know what, what I want to do is I want to take real estate principles, and once I take principles, what I basically want to go, do is go down and take the exam, and I want to get this real estate license, okay? Now, that license that you get is called the conditional license. Now, I do want to tell you something, and again, this is just, uh, how could you say it's, it's, um, Hearsay, no, I wouldn't say hearsay. It's things that are in discussion. The Department of Real Estate currently right now, according to David Seals, as, who's, by the way, he's an attorney for the Department of Real Estate, has said that there's been discussions amongst the members of the department, and I guess even if you extend it out further with the commissioner and also with the legislature, of about a possibly down the road of abolishing that conditional sales license and going to just a real estate sales license. And there's a lot of reasons why they want to do that, a lot of things that are in discussion. It's nothing that's happening now. It's something that has to be approved and passed by the legislature, you know, your elected officials. 
but part of it has to do with the fact of trying to maybe possibly build, you know, more, you know, when you get your license, you have a little bit more training behind it. And the second thing is, is that guess what? It helps to cut down on some of the administrative work that they have because with conditional sales licenses, it's fairly easy to get. You know, you pass, you get real estate, you know, you, you pass, you take real estate principles, you got a license. But there's a lot of people that don't necessarily practice that they need to maintain, keep records. So it's almost like saying to the community, listen, if you want to get a license, you need to be a little bit more serious, take a little bit more courses, show some interest, and therefore, hopefully, it will reduce the number of applicants and make it a little bit more easier to go. At one time, I remember the Department of Real Estate, probably a couple years ago, they had to rent the convention center, and they had room for 1,500 people to take their real estate sales license. That's an enormous amount of people trying to take a real estate sales license. And they did that for a number of times. Uh, so, again, they're trying to cut down on that by maybe in the, f in the future making, getting away from the conditional license and going to a formal just licensed salesperson and a licensed broker doing that. But anyway, if you get, if you get a license and all you used is 18, uh, your uh, principal's class, then what's going to happen is your license is only good for 18 months, period. At the end of 18 months, it, it vaporizes. What ends up happening is if you want to do get your license back, you cannot renew it. You have to go through the entire process again, which means you have to take the exam. You have to do the whole thing over again to get, uh, to get a license. Now, what happens is I've seen if it's like everything else that I deal with with students, you know, it's like giving students sort of like an incomplete in a way. Because what ends up happening is people will get a license. They'll go, wow, I got my real estate license. I'm good for 18 months. Hey, you know what? I'll take some classes. And then they forget about it. Now, if you're not doing anything in real estate, that may not be an issue. You may say, well, I got my license and that's it, but I'm not selling and I'm not really interested. But let's say you go and you, you're working for a firm and you just happen to be successful. Well, now that 18 months will creep up on you like that, bang. And the next thing you know, you're saying, well, my goodness, I've got to get this class. I've got to get past it or I'm going to lose my license. You know, what am I going to do? You're rushing the last minute, just trying to get through it. The thing is, is that you need, in order for you to get this license that will last for four years, you have to have two additional classes. One of them has to be real estate practice, this class. And then you have a choice of whatever your electives are going to be, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but they could be things like escrow, uh, finance, economics, uh, law, there's a lot of different options, but you have to have principles and practice minimum plus one of those uh, electives for you to have your license to last for four years. Okay? Um, it goes on from after that, it just uh, talks about those classes I just discussed here. It just says your four year license, then once you re have that, it's renewable. You just renew it every four years, you pay your fees, and you have to submit your continuing education certificates to show that you've had continuing education. Uh, but once you've done that, um, it just says complete a college-level real estate principles course, college-level practice course, and one other approved college-level uh, broker course is required. Okay. Uh, pass the DRE salesperson's exam and pay any necessary fees, and your license is good for all that period of time. Okay. Um, they talk more about... Uh, here they're just talking about the district offices, where they happen to be. Uh, I'll, when I get to the website, I'll show you there are a number of different locations where you can take your exams, um, uh, depending upon where you live and what's convenient for you. And you can, by the way, if you do the e-licensing thing, 
which is like logging on when you see it it's like logging on to your bank and just establishing an account or, you know a lot of places are doing that now hospitals are doing it they they, they usually you log on you ask you for your name your address your phone number and usually some piece of identification type thing like your social security number or something like that in the case of the DRE that's what they require a social security number and then from that point on you have your account you can log on anytime and update your information check on your license status this just talks here about the uh, about the salesperson's exam and then finally it talks about the notification it says you will be notified of your examination results by mail normally within five days working days after the examination you can also check your examination results using the DRE exam website which is nice that way you'll know about it you're not sitting there waiting to get something in the mail okay the next thing that they talk about in here that we need to be aware of is that we need to be aware of what areas that we want to focus in and they try to give you uh, some idea from this and some of this may make sense to a certain extent some of it at this point may not it's kind of hard to say but what they're doing is they're saying there's certain categories that the exam is going to be broken down into and if you take any kind of an exam licensing kind of an exam they're going to have certain things that whoever's providing the licensing or the over, over, overseeing of it is going to say, you know, there's certain things that we want to kind of emphasize that are really important. And so what they're doing here is they're giving you some percentages of things that are important to them. And what they're doing here is up at the top, they're just saying these are the examination subject areas. This, this, is what, this topic right here, about 18% of the exam is going to be on this topic for the salesperson's license and for the broker's license it's going to be about 15 percent some of times people will say well why is there a difference why would for example would property ownership and land use controls and regulations why would we test that more for a salesperson's license and less for a broker's license the reason why is hopefully by the time you become a real estate broker you have got a heck of a lot more knowledge due to your knowledge and experience and courses that you've taken about that than you would as a salesperson okay in other words there's only so many questions we can ask you uh, again laws of agency is another one where it's about a 12-12 split uh, valuation and market analysis you'll see that there's more of a concentration on the exam questions for somebody that happens to be a salesperson this really talks about uh, you working with, uh, when you go to a client's house and you're trying to figure out how much their house should be selling for and helping them establishing that value. They're saying about 12% of the market uh, uh, is going to be on that for a salesperson, about 11% for a broker. Again, because the broker hopefully has done quite a bit of that and doesn't need a lot more testing on that. Financing is about evenly split, okay, 13 13%. Transfer of real property. Now, here's where you start seeing a broker getting a little bit more involved because a broker is going to be overseeing the, the, uh, what an uh, agent's going to be doing. So when you start talking about transferring a property, things like title insurance, uh, deeds, escrow reports, all that kind of stuff, the salesperson's going to be 9% of that and the broker's 10% of their example. So a little bit more because they're going to be overseeing. Practice is one of the biggest areas. Practice and disclosures, because remember, it's the broker's responsibility to ensure that the agent is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And there's a lot about disclosures. I mean, if you remember, if you go back and you look at any of the textbooks, you're going to find out there's just tons about the fact that when we sell houses, we need to 
practically x-ray the house and explain everything that there's any kind of a problem on that house. You know, if there's any kind of a defect, something's not working, if we've ever had an insurance claim, if it's in an earthquake zone, I mean, it just goes on and on and on with all the disclosures that are required. So because a broker has to take and do more in the area of uh, supervision of that than an agent does, that's why a broker, an agent only has 24% of the exam and the a broker has 27%, okay? But you can see, though, that this is going to be some big, that's, a, that's almost 25% of the exam is on disclosures alone. Then finally, contracts is going to be about evenly split. Remember, contracts are very important because when you're a real estate agent, that's what you are. You're the one that's usually initiating the contracts or helping the clients initiate the contracts, whether it be a listing agreement, a purchase offer, a counter offer, a lease agreement, a rental agreement, whatever it happens to be, you're the one that's helping them do that. So knowing about that is very, very important. And so that gives you a rough idea on what, how these things are going to be laid out. Um, this, this area here really talks a lot about, um, you know, the courses that are required for the uh, licenses, the two different licenses. Um, again, keep in mind that a salesperson, this is going to cover salespersons and brokers. Salespersons exam, naturally, they have to have the principles and they have to have the practice. That's stated here. And then this gives you a list of the additional courses that they're required to have or you can use for a sales license. So, for example, real estate appraisal. This happens to be one of our popular courses. A lot of people like real estate appraisal. Uh, now, here's a course accounting. That means if you have had a degree in, say, business, where a lot of us have to take accounting, you know, accounting one, accounting two, accounting 100, whatever it's called, that could be a course that could count for the third for the third. Um, course requirement for your sales license. Business law is another thing that we normally take in business. You know, we're required to take that, so that could be something you already have. Legal aspects of real estate, this is another one of our popular courses. A lot of people like this. For some reason, I'm surprised we don't have more lawyers than we do because law is a very interesting topic because what it does is it brings in, what's interesting about law to me and I think to a lot of students is the social aspects of it. You know, when you really sit down and talk about what people are doing and, and how to apply the law and how to set precedents and everything, it's a very interesting topic. So a lot of people like that. Financing is another important thing. Economics is really important because what it does is it helps you try to understand, you know, why things, for example, are located where they are, you know, why, how communities develop, you know, why people, for example, why, you know, why do we have all the auto dealerships in one area, you know, why are all the uh, attorneys, uh, offices across the street from the courthouse, you know, things like that are interesting. Escrows, property management, real estate office administration, that would be if somebody wanted to, for example, be, uh, maybe their areas, they're going to, they're going to work in an office and maybe they're going to be taking care and coordinating things. And they like that administrative function, they'll be doing that. Mortgage loan brokering, that would be where you maybe were going to want to learn how to, uh, help people sell their mortgages that they've taken back on when they've sold their home or help investors buy mortgages for say their uh, in other words brokering them finding people that want to lend money find people want to borrow money and put them together computer applications in real estate uh, very very good course in fact this happens to be a course that I'm going to be teaching next spring it's going to be really interesting because it's going to take into account a lot of different things. We're going to actually do all the things that are necessary for you to be able to uh, 
what you're going to have to do if you get ready to sell a house. So hopefully, if I get approval, I'm going to uh, have, uh, uh, hopefully, have everybody have an MLS account. So they're able to go ahead and, and get familiar with that. Also use a program called WinForm so you know how to fill out your, win, your applications. You know, in other words, using a computer application that produces your forms, such as purchase offers, listing agreement, counter offers, things like that, how that works. We're also going to be doing something which is like a PowerPoint type presentation because it's important for you to be able to show clients what the property looks like. And then we're going to be using a program, uh, teaching a program that has to deal with how you're going to do things like create flyers, brochures, create your own website, all that kind of stuff. That's what's going to be included in that class. Uh, very important class, I think, nowadays because of the fact that your clients are probably, in most cases, you know, the more I read, the more I see that people, the, the newspaper circulation is going down. You're going to find out that a lot of people start their initial shopping for property online, and they're doing a lot of their business online. So in other words, knowing how to do that, it would be kind of like, in my mind, it's kind of like becoming a, a mechanic on a car, you know, saying, I want to be an, uh, a car repair mechanic, and uh, by the way, I don't have a toolbox. <laughs> I mean, if you want to be in real estate, you really do need to know how to use really well all these computer tools, okay? So these courses can count as one of the third courses. Uh, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with taking more courses. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. You know, you don't want to do the bare minimum. Now, applications for the broker's license, this is a little bit different because there are certain things that mandatorily they want you to have. They call them core courses. Like in a college study program, it would be like a core group of courses you have to take. So it says here, an applicant for a broker's license examination must have completed eight courses in, the, in addition to the experience requirements. We'll talk about the experience requirements in a minute. These eight courses must include the following five, so you have to have these five, minimum. So if you want to become a broker, you have to have real estate practice. You have to have legal aspects of real estate. Now, I had a student in my office the other day that said to me, well, I had, real, I had uh, business law, okay? Doesn't that qualify? And I said, it qualifies as an elective, but it doesn't qualify for the core, okay? You have to have real estate law in order to get that broker's license. You have to have real estate financing, you have to have real estate appraisal, and you have to have real estate economics or accounting. That happens to be an option. Then down below, you'll see these are one out of that. Then you pick out these additional courses down here that you can take, such as uh, principles, business law, property management, escrows, mortgage loan brokering, and again, computer applications and real estate. Okay? So hopefully that will help everybody out with what uh, they need to know. Okay? Um, I'm just taking a look here. Okay. Now, uh, one thing, and we'll point it out the next time uh, will be the website, but I just want to mention this to you because this is very, very important. This is the e-licensing that I'll be going through. These are some of the things that you can do over the Internet, okay? And I think I would probably take this page and hold on to it so you're absolutely aware of it. This is where you sign up for an e-licensing account and what you're able to do. Did you have a question back there? No, I was just looking at the... Um, Go ahead and hit the, the button. Yeah, I was just looking at the three uh, remaining three courses that are to be selected from the following, and real estate, I noticed that real estate principles is on there. Wouldn't you already have that? No, okay, his question, his question is, is he was looking at this sheet here. Let me pull the sheet up. He was pulling this sheet up here. 
and he was saying, okay, I can see that all of these courses are listed here, but he said the remaining three, one of them happens to be real estate principles. And yeah, you would have had real estate principles already. What can I tell you? I mean, that's the way that they ran the thing. You know, they basically said, you know, it's not like you have to have real estate principles and you have to have, you know, three other ones. Real estate principles happens to be one of the three that you can have, okay? Because it's a total of eight, it's a total of eight uh, classes that you have to have. Yeah. Now, underneath the e-licensing, which I think is a really great way to go, uh, I, if time permits, the next time I'll actually show you or at least get you up to the point where you're able to log on and see what you have to do. But um, license information is now available online. And by the way, if you start reading the book and you compare the book to the website, you're going to find out where the author got all of this stuff. They got it from the website. I mean, all this stuff is the same stuff as at the website. What's important about the website is that it's always kept up to date. And so what will end up happening is if you, you know, typically, hopefully, it'll have the more current information on there. Okay? So some of the things that you would find out by using the website is you can find out which, uh, which tests are being scheduled. I'll show you the next time where those dates, times are, and everything else so you can schedule your date out there. You can look up a new test date if, you're, if you need to retake again. You can get your exam results. You can find out the original license has been issued yet or not. So if you're waiting on your license, where you've done everything and you're just waiting to see if it's been issued, it's a way that you can go and check on a regular basis. Um, some of the things that you can do on, at the DRE website, uh, so the DRE can, licensees can also make changes online, including the following options. You can have a broker's renewal license. You can change your mailing address, change your, your main office address only. Okay? Uh, you can request a duplicate license if you happen to lose yours. Uh, you can change and receive uh, uh, your real estate bulletin, which is something now that they used to mail out to you that the only way that you really can get it is electronically. Okay, a lot of people are doing that. That saves a lot of paper. Uh, paper kills a lot less trees. I'll show you where that is. You can find out the status if you've had an online request. You can renew your license application. Uh, notice that it says you have to have Adobe Acrobat. And if you ever wondered why have you guys using Adobe Acrobat, it's because guess what? DRE uses Adobe Acrobat. You can change your user information. You can display your public information, your license information. And then the general public, the general public, I'll be talking about this. These are some of the things that the general public can do on their own. First of all, they can look up by name or license identification number your license. So your license is public, and they can find out if you've ever had any kind of things that are violations that have you've been judged as you know, doing something wrong. They can look that up. They can search for... Um, for approved statutory pre-licensed real estate courses. So you can look, if you're going to get your real estate, um, for example, at the California, Sacramento City College, American River, Consumers River, we all have courses that are up there. We sit them, submit them to DRE, to Department of Real Estate, and then if we have a regular consumer that's looking for a course, they can see who teaches what, okay? which I need to update, by the way. Uh, search for approved uh, continuing education cost offering. So if you're looking for additional courses to help renew your license, you can go there. Uh, you can activate uh, prepaid rental listing services, licenses. Remember, that's where somebody comes into your office and pays a fee, and then you supply them with a list of properties that are for rent. And then you can active uh, mineral oil and gas broker licenses. Okay, These are additional types of licenses. Um, okay. So I think we, um, I'm just trying to see here now if we, okay. 
Now, what I want to do is move into uh, this broker licensing thing for a minute because I think personally <clears throat> that if you're going to get a sales license, that you know you probably even if it's not right away, but it may be like a long-term uh, goal, might be that you're going to eventually get a broker's license. You know, it may not happen all at one time. You may go to school for a while and get absolutely sick and tired of school and don't want to go back for a while. Who knows? But you kind of want to know if you're going in the right direction, taking the right courses. <clears throat> now, what I'm going to do here is just go through some of the criteria. To get your broker's license, you have to be 18 years of age to apply for a license, although there is no age restrictions for taking the exam. Okay? So what that means is keep in mind, now here's what's interesting about this. <coughs> Excuse me. In order to get the broker's license, you have to have two years of experience if you have no other college education. In order for you to get two years' worth of experience, you have to have a sales license. To get a sales license, you've got to be 18 years of age. So, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, you really, it'd be almost, I think, almost next to impossible to get a broker's license before you've got at least, you know, this would probably take into account somebody that already has a bachelor's degree that's under 18 years of age that has already taken all of the real estate courses and is in a situation where they're waiting for their 18th birthday to show up. I don't know that many people that fall into that category, but anyway. Um, proof of legal presence in the United States, if not a California resident, okay. Complete the required eight broker courses. Be honest and truthful, which I already beat you guys to death about that. Pass the required examination which happens to be 200 questions. Now, the, the, probably the important thing here is the qualifying experience. <coughs> and what it says here is that the candidate must be able to provide that he or she has experience in the real estate before applying for the broker's license. That means that you would have to have, fill out the appropriate thing that says you work for Colwell Banker, Lion & Associates, Remax, somebody that you had that experience. Generally, two years of full-time work 104 40-hour weeks as a salesperson are required. This two-year requirement may be replaced. Now, here's the key word, may be replaced by the equivalent amount of part-time salesperson experience. So if you work part-time, you might be in a situation where you're getting close to retirement. You're going to start working part-time for some real estate firm with the idea in mind that you're going to gain the experience and knowledge, and when you retire, you're going to be able to just roll right into the job without a problem. That could be a situation like that. Um, such experience must have been completed within five years immediately preceding the date of the application. So what they were talking about is we have a, a restriction. <coughs> we're saying you can't be where, oh, I, I did this 10 years ago, and then I quit for a while, and then I did it for a couple of years, and I quit. They're saying within a five-year period of time. And what it really talks about, if you've done it all part-time, you probably need to have more like four years of experience in order to get that experience requirement. Now, this is, um, okay, let me go down here. Okay, this is probably most uh, important. Bes besides direct experience in fields, education may qualify as full or partial experience. So you, you satisfy that. For example, the commissioner has ruled that any individual with a four-year degree is exempt from the two-year experience requirement, period. In other words, you could have a four-year degree in nursing, and that would qualify. Four-year degree in engineering, you would qualify. Four-year degree in English, you'd qualify. There's no, nothing that says that has to be in real estate. It's just a four-year degree. It doesn't say whether it has to be a bachelor's degree, a bachelor's in science, or a bachelor of arts. It just says a four-year degree. Okay? 
But all candidates must complete the eight required courses regardless of their educational degree. A community college graduate with a required real estate courses needs only one year of experience. So this is where our certificate programs and our AA degree comes in. You know, sometimes that's another thing too. Is sometimes a lot of you will, um, for example, take a lot of courses at a community college. Sometimes you may want to do is spend a little bit more time and find out, hey, what additional little requirements do I need to take in order for me to actually get an AA degree? It's not going to hurt to be able to put it down on a job application. Well, if you have that, then that would that would qualify you for one of the two years worth of experience. Okay. Okay, all students are, are encouraged to submit an equivalency request with the Department of Real Estate. All decisions made by the commissioner are final. So if you had experience in another area, for example, you're not selling real estate, maybe you're working for a title company, an escrow company, you're doing something else and you want to find out if that it qualifies, then you would submit that. Okay, because there's a lot of us that may have experience in other areas. Okay. Okay. Um, let me see here. Okay. For the broker's license, you have to take a 200-question exam. It takes five hours to complete, or you have up to five hours. The applicant must answer 75% of the questions correctly to pass. I think if I did my math correctly, that means out of 200 questions, you have to get 150 right or more is what that essentially means. And if you ever want to have a feel for how long that would take, you know, you have five hours. I always, you know, m you know, me personally and people that I know that pass exams, you know, I mean, if you don't want to pass it, if you just want to go down and pay your fees, that's one thing. But if you want to go down and pass it, what I typically do is I'll take a lot of mock exams. I get exams from a lot of places. I think on our Blackboard website, we have a link to a couple. You can also go down and buy uh, books or look at, at least look at the books in stores like Barnes & Noble and, and Borders and go to the real estate section. They have exams that will show you things on how to prepare for the exam. What I like to do is do those exams without peeking at the answers. Uh, a lot of the books are good because they'll give you little brief areas that'll talk about, like they'll have a top, you know, like little chapters more or less that'll talk about things like uh, legal descriptions. And then they'll have another chapter that'll talk about real estate finance. And it's a good overview or a good review of what you have to do. Then you take the exam. Okay, and what you should be doing is looking at the clock and timing yourself and figuring out how, how much time you're spending per question. And uh, I would put myself underneath that same situation, you know, same kind of pressure with the idea in mind that you're going to work your way up to where you're going to get as close to getting them all right when you get done. Okay? Very, very important. There's a lot of people, I've noticed a lot of students that really prepare. They use flashcards. They do all sorts of things to help them pass. And they go down there and then they say to me, oh, I took your class and I passed. And I say to them, no, you took my class. I gave you some information, but you were the one that put the work out. You studied. You're the one that, you're the one that actually passed. And they say, well, it still helped out, <laughs> okay. But it's, you know, you have to work for this. Um, the next thing that they talk about is every four years for both a salesperson and a agent, they both have to have education that they submit that, is, that has been approved for them to renew their licenses. Now, there's a difference between the continuing education type thing and regular college level courses. College level courses, if you really think about it, you sign up for a class, it's you know 50 hours or 54 hours, sometimes you come, sometimes you don't. You pass an exam and you get a, you know, a C or, an a or B and an A. Under continuing education, they're very strict. And they actually send people out from the Department of Real Estate to make sure that the people that are providing this continuing education are doing it 
and following the rules. And if they don't follow the rules, they pull their course. They can't teach it anymore. So they're very strict about this. It's not like you go in and sign up for the class and then kind of maybe show up and, and then get some certificate. If you do that, you can't do that. So usually what we're talking about is these are classes, if they say they're a three-hour course, that means you're coming in and sitting in that room for three hours getting some kind of training, okay? And those hours, when we talk about three hours or 10 hours or 15 or 20 hours, we're talking about physically you're in a classroom of some place taking this continuing education. Uh, where do you get some of this education? The Sacramento Association of Realtors is a good place. Most of the local board of realtors are good places to get it. Uh, what they do is they have education committees that work on getting courses approved. They look at them pretty carefully, and usually they can get you can do them at a fairly lo much lower cost than you can if you go on you know someplace else. But of course these these courses can be taken in a lot of different areas. I've seen them where you can take them on, uh, you know, go out on a cruise and take your courses there, go to Hawaii, take your courses there. So there's a lot of ways people integrate this stuff. But anyway, you have to do that. And it says here, a broker and a salesperson's license can be renewed. Um, uh, and a, a conditional license, a salesperson's license can't be renewed. Remember, it ha it, it, at the end of 18 months, it's gone. And for continuing education, they tell you that continuing education, so they call them CE requirements, is every four years to renew your license. And uh, that's your actual clock hours that you're actually putting in in the class to do that. And so we're getting pretty close to the end now. Um, when we come back on, uh, when we come back for the final show, which will be show 32, what we'll be doing is I'll be finishing up the rest of the information that's in this particular chapter. Uh, talking again about some uh, the, the associations primarily, and then what I want to do is spend some time going out to the Department of Real Estate website and some of the local association websites to show you what kind of information is there to give you an idea to get you started uh, so that you'll be able to find stuff. And then probably at the end maybe just a little bit of time just to wrap up the course itself and we'll be finished then. So with that, I'd like to thank you very much for coming, and we will see you back here for show number 32 in, uh, in uh, the near future. Thank you very much for coming.